Hello, all you baseball fans, and welcome to the maiden voyage of the Forks Down podcast, a new weekly podcast where my co-host and I talk about everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me now, and always, is the co-host of this podcast, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Doing good. Survived another day of work and uh, looking forward to talking Mariners baseball. Well, that's great to hear, Bo. I'm glad you uh, you survived through another work day. You know, I had the day off, but, you know, I spent my day kind of working on our first podcast. Uh, you know, they, uh, this is like the podcast Maiden Voyage for us. We, uh, we're kind of taking a shot in the dark here. We're, we're big baseball fans. We grew up together and baseball has kind of been our, our main thing that our friendship has kind of revolved around. And, uh, I know when you said, Hey, let's, uh, let's start a podcast. I kind of jumped at the opportunity, you know? Um, but I know you, you kind of were telling me a little bit like why you wanted to go down this Avenue. Why, why did you want to go down this Avenue of, of starting a podcast? Yeah, I am. I think the big thing to me and, um, you know, it's kind of in the back of my head for a little while, right? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, everybody I know listens to a lot of podcasts. Um, and I just kind of started to think, you know, what could be something that, um, you know, I'm passionate about, something that I feel like I'm well informed on. Um, and that came back to, you know, obviously keep on coming back to Mariners baseball. And I think a thing that, you know, I think stuck out to me was after we had beaten the Blue Jays, after we had advanced from the wildcard series, it felt like there was this, I'll call it want for like Mariners content, right? I think a lot of people were starving for, um, you know, people to kind of share this with and to get people's perspectives on it. And, um, you know, I think that that is part of also the reason why we're doing this, right? We ourselves are consuming more Mariners content than ever. And, um, you know, we love this baseball team and we want a space where we can talk, talk about them more. Um, and I feel like that's the biggest driver behind this, right? It's just, uh, you know, we we're passionate about the Mariners. We want to talk about the Mariners a lot and we're kind of using this as a medium to do that. So, um, looking forward to, you know, weekly basis, however often we do this to being able to, um, you know, have a place where we can co- coalesce our thoughts, bring them together and talk about the Mariners baseball in a, in a unique way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to kind of key on something you just said there. We are fans ourselves. Like this is as much our baseball team as everyone else. We have our own opinions about what is going down. We kind of want to bring them to the world. You know, we're kind of, I wouldn't say we're over, you know, posting our opinions on, Twitter, on Reddit, on Facebook, you know, but I, I feel like we want to kind of get it out there and, and bring our side of the conversation. And, you know, it's, it's kind of an exciting thing for me because I, uh, I went to school for journalism, you know, I graduated U of I with a broadcasting degree and I, I did that straight out of college and I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. I, uh, my life took me other places, you know, I, I met my wife we moved down to a little town in the middle of Idaho and, and I kind of got away from journalism, you know? So, uh, coming back to it, I, you know, I can be a little bit, I guess, more choosy about what I want to do. And, and definitely something I wanted to do was to start talking about my uh, favorite teams. And number one on that list is probably the Mariners, you know, and, and 
I know we've sent a lot of text messages to each other, Bill, about, you know, about this team, but I think it's time to, uh, you know, take the news that comes from the ballpark at the corner of Edgar Martinez Drive and Dave Niehausway and and just talk about it. Bring bring people hopefully closer together, you know, and I feel like, I, I don't know about you, Bo, but I feel like, um, you know, we've got quite a bit. It's We're going in the offseason, but we've got a, quite a bit of stuff to go over. You know, this team is uh, one of the most exciting teams, I think, in the MLB right now. You know, just uh, everything's looking up for them. Yeah, and I mean, absolutely. It's right. It's uh, it's an exciting time, and I feel like um, we are trying to put a lot of our excitement into words, right? A lot of excitement and our energy behind what we're doing currently, right, with this. So um, absolutely can't, you know, wait to see how this team grows, how this team grows in the off season, the things that Jerry and Justin have kind of lined up for this ball club. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a fun off season, right? I think it's going to be more fun than ever before. When I was a kid, um, <clears throat> when I was a kid in 2000, you know, to three to 2004, when I was playing a lot of MPB baseball back in the day, um, and I was addicted to baseball, I like to say I would rush home in the off season and I would follow the ESPN ticker to see what transactions were going on. Right. I feel like it's going to be kind of that off season for us a little bit, right. We're going to be refreshing trade rumors. We're going to be refreshing Twitter, kind of anything we can to see what this team is doing. Cause I think there's just so much energy and excitement around the team that, um, we all are ourselves are going to be consuming and you know following the team closer than ever. Absolutely, and and like I said, the buzz is through the roof for probably the first time in twenty one years. We've had excitement over the years, but nothing like breaking the playoff drought of twenty one years. So, I mean, this is only episode one, folks. Like, strap in, buckle up, because. We're going to have plenty of more shows to bring you as well. And and we're going to do our best to, to convey what we want to convey and show our excitement for this. So, Bo, I've got to ask you, you were, you were at T-Mobile um, or quote unquote, as Jesse Weaker put it, the electric factory for uh game three of the LDS and, uh, I know it's not the conclusion that we were both hoping for. You know, we I wanted to get you to two playoff games this year. You got one. Um, but I I feel like you didn't miss out on anything. You got 18 innings of baseball that night. What uh you know, what you feel before, during and after the game? I mean, you were there for a long time. Yeah, before the game um before the game, you have more nerves than I think you f- than you feel like you're expecting. I guess right. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a baseball experience that I've never gone through before. But you're just you are incredibly nervous for the game. You know, even though we were down two zero, um, you know, you obviously you're not playing in the game, but you're still very just anxious, right? Because of the you know the people that are on the field that are representing the Mariners, right? We've fallen in love with this 2022 team and you want to see them succeed. Right. Um, so there's that level of anxiety and that level of just your heart's beating and you're exciting for the game. I think before, you know, during the game, um, a little bit of an up and down, right. Um, you can kind of tell like 
through the sixth inning, maybe seventh inning, the kind of the way the game was going, right? Um, you know, the Mariners have always had a tough luck with Lance McCullers. Um, I think, uh, you know, we'll talk about, we'll go into great depths about George Kirby at some time, but George Kirby was phenomenal. Um, the bullpen was great. Um, you know, for me, the I felt like the biggest moment that for me in that game for the Mariners was Matt Brash's strikeouts to um, kind of get, uh, get us out of the jam, strike out Christian Vasquez, then ultimately striking out Jose Altuve. Um, some really big moments. And, you know, I think during the game also, um, I got to me personally experience it with um, my parents, um, my wife, my son. Um, so that was a, it was a great moment in terms of just, my dad's been a Mariner fan for a long time. Um, and he's kind of seen a lot of the highs and lows, right. And obviously brought me along and I became a Mariner fan with him. Um, I won't I won't become a Seahawks fan like him though. So sorry about that. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. Bill. Anyways, yeah, anyways, uh, anyways, anyways, uh, uh, closet uh, anyways, fan. um, I don't follow the NFL anymore, but anyways, um, so that was a great experience to see my dad just my dad how engaged my dad was in the game right i think he was going through the same Mm -hmm. thing that we all were right we were anxious we followed this team and um you know it was just fantastic to see my dad have a uh be so passionate about what he was watching right i feel like it's probably the first time or the first time that he remembers in a long time feeling that way about the mariners so um really great experience my son got to experience it he's only um 14 months so he got to um kind of see winning mariner baseball and go to the first mariner playoff game in 21 years so that's uh that's an awesome that's a great experience we have pictures from it that we'll be able to share with him someday so uh personally it was just a phenomenal experience um you know i think the the 13th or i don't even know the 12th inning through the i don't 17th inning kind of feels like a fever dream like i know luis garcia pitched five innings for the Astros, but I don't know. It kind of got all lost in translation at a certain point. Um, but yeah, you could kind of tell that this game was just going to come down to someone hits a home run, someone gets, someone makes an error, and that's going to be the ball game, and that's ultimately what happened. So um, uh, disappointing outcome. But I think the big thing that many people have said is just the let's go Mariners after they after you know eventually lose the game, um, and the people still at the stadium. Um, you know, on their feet for this team and just the, the shared love for this team that so many of us had, I felt like was the, was the biggest thing, um, takeaway from the game, from the season, whatever you want to say there, right. Um, was absolutely the biggest moment and it, um, it just felt good to be sharing in, you know, this shared love that we have all for this baseball team. And, um, you know, I think it just bodes well for the future and I can't wait for more people to kind of rally behind and get behind this team, I think next year. Yeah. Well, I, I was completely envious of you. I, uh, as you know, I was at work and you were kind of live tweeting. There's a couple times I, I texted you and asked who's in the bullpen right now. Cause I mean, the TV broadcast wasn't bringing it up. You, you're the one that told me, Oh, Matt Brash is coming in. So, I mean, I, I can, was completely envious of you and I actually ran my, my phone out of battery that day. Like I got down to like 2% and was running, to the shelf because I work at a department store. I was running to the shelf to buy myself a charger to, to continue watching the game, which, you know, say what you want. I probably shouldn't have been watching the game. Um, but I mean, it was just, you're right. The, the 12th through the 17th inning were just fever dreams. Like it was nuts. I'm just sitting there going, I can't believe this is happening. 
was was this your first was your was this your dad's first playoff game that he's ever been to Mariners playoff game yes uh, the first Mariners playoff game um uh the first Mariners playoff game and I I mean he probably remembers watching the Mariners back in 2001 and you know during that time frame but um you know I think a lot of us would forget a lot over 20 years right so um first time certainly I think experiencing it live um and, uh, you know, like I said, just uh, super happy that he was able to see that. And, you know, my son was there and it was just uh, as a full on experience that is, was very memorable to myself. So um, I hope there'll be many more in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so, too. I really do. You know, Bo, the, ga- the game itself was exciting. You know, win or, win or lose, we knew T-Mobile was going to be rocking that night. Um, like I said before, you were live texting me kind of through the whole thing and and one of the last text messages I got from you, um, it was kind of a two-parter. Um, I, I could tell you were a little, f- I'm going to say a little frustrated. Probably an understatement. You know, I, I don't know how many years we've gone through watching Felix pitch and him getting no run support. Um, but uh, the, the two-part text message you sent me, the first part of it said, the offense effing sucks. You know, um, that that kind of stated it all for that. But the second part of it was kind of what stuck with me. Um, you, you texted me and said, how many times is this bullpen going to give me or give us a chance to win this game? And it really uh, it really got me thinking about the offense in general. I think the offense really had a, a roller coaster season in a sense. A lot of people on our offense had a, a slow start. You know, guys like Julio, who Julio had a, a wonderful season, really didn't get started till May. And, and it, you know, it kind of went in waves. You know, when when we were hitting well as a team, we were winning a lot of ball games. When when we weren't hitting well, I I felt like we were, you know, in the absolute dumps. You know, it it just was was terrible. You know, at some points of the season. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, the the offense sucks. Um, I, it's funny. I sent a similar text to my sister after the Yankees played the Astros, but uh, different context under that one. Um, but anyways, the uh, no going to the Mariners, um, the offense um, up and down is a good way of putting it. You know, I think Julio started to hit his stride in May. Uh, you know, Julio went through the whole, um, you know, the the close strikes being called in the zone, and um, you know, all of us just getting visibly just angry at the screen when there was something that was, you know, we see it outside of the box, but it continuously gets called on him, right? Um, so I think Julio kind of went through the ups and downs, but I mean, he absolutely caught on. Right. And, um, you know, he hit, I think it was like 275 in the first half and ended up hitting 300 in the second half. And, um, you know, that is, uh, to me pretty exciting, I think going forward, right. Those second half numbers looking so positive. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll gush about Julio as, as need be right. As much as we will going forward. So I kind of like looking at like a Cal Raleigh, right. That was somebody that um, also really struggled like at the beginning of the season, right? Um, I I really think I really think his stats at the end of the season doesn't reflect, you know, how good his second half was because his first half was pretty down in the dumps, but the second half he really brought it back and he really improved on stuff like his batting average, his on base percentage, even his home run total, you know, towards the end of the season there. Outside of, you know, having probably the biggest home run um, in Mariners history. I'm just going to say it. Probably probably the biggest home run ever. But 
No, hundred percent. And um, I think you kind of the the peaks and the troughs of Mariners' offense this year, right? Like um, Cal Raleigh was certainly a part of that. His September and October were were phenomenal, right? Had eight home runs and those two so in those two months combined there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kyle Ray himself had, I think it was like 10 hits through the month of May combined, right? Himself. So, um, but he kind of finally started hit his stride, um, you know, I think in the month of June and then, um, you know, things really started to pick up, I think after that for Kyle Raleigh. Um, but yeah, you kind of talk about the, the ups and the downs, right? Um, Ty France is someone that a little bit is the opposite, right? Ty France really started hot. Ty France was really hot, um, kind of out of the gate. Uh, um, and kind of went the other way, I would say, in the second half. So this is kind of an offense that um, we had enough good offensive players, right, with um, Ty and Julio um, and, you know, somebody else we'll get to in a second that really, I think, held the team in place, right, when we kind of had good players at a certain point, good hitting at one point, not great hitting at another point. Um, But I kind of look at the guy, like my unsung hero throughout this season um, is without a doubt – Eugenio Suarez, right? Um, Eugenio Suarez had so many big moments for this team. Like if you go back and you look at um, win probability added, right? And his um, moments that he had for this team, um, I would go back to the series versus Texas. Um, at the beginning of June, he had some massive hits, um, kind of put the Mariners up on top. Um, you can go to um, the September 11th game where him and Julio Julio hit a home run and then Eugenio Suarez came in and walked it off. Um, and, you know, he hit well in the postseason as well. Um, but, you know, coupled with the fact that he came over from um, Cincinnati and what was supposed to be a salary dump, um, you just can't say enough good things about Eugenio. And, um, you know, he had a season that um, was fairly consistent in terms of like his batting average and, um, you know, the kind of the home runs that he had over the season. So who, I think Eugenio was kind of that middleman that we kind of had peaks and troughs with different players. And Eugenio was very consistent throughout the whole entire season. And um, where other guys like Jesse Winker and, um, you know, maybe other guys we thought were going to do something like Hellenic couldn't quite do it. You know, Eugenio stepped in there and was, um, you know, was such a, was such a bright spot for this team the whole entire season. Yeah. And we, we went to uh I mean, you got to the playoff game, but uh, we went to the last series of the season, me and you. You know, I brought my wife over and my mom over. We went with your wife and your son. Uh, unfortunately, your son got sick, so your wife, you know, had planned on being there, but but really couldn't be there. Um, but uh, we went to the last series of the season, and, uh, you know, I made a joke while we were there, you know, how – at the start of the season, we all thought that the the best um, pickup out of that trade was going to be Jesse Winker. You know, we we really thought that he was going to come over and do big things. He was an all star last season. Um, really hit the ball well in Great American Ballpark, a, a ballpark you're familiar with because you spent some time working in the Reds organization. You know, but um, it, it's funny. I I you know we went to that last series of the season and it was just like. God, who knew that Suarez was going to be the uh, the gym out of that that whole trade? Like, I I wouldn't have placed out even five bucks on it. I didn't think he was going to be. Uh, I wouldn't say didn't think he was going to be worth a damn because he really his home run tur- totals itself, you know, were was you know eye popping. But I I 
thought Jesse Winker would have been the best part of that trade. No, absolutely. And then you talk about the, I mean, the Mariners opening day lineup, right? Had, um, it's a little laughable to go back. It's, it's funny to go back at it now, right? It had Jesse Winker batting third. Um, Eugenio was batting, uh, I think fifth. Um, Julio was batting, uh, seventh and Cal Raleigh was batting ninth, right? Like that was the batting order. Um, opening day this year and it's kind of funny just how things kind of played out um and uh you know i still hope the best for winker in the future i think if we're going to be uh if we're going to take another step next year i hope that jesse winker is a part of that because there's certain potential there right um but uh you know i also feel pretty good about eugenio's performance this year that um you know i think he may have uh, i don't want to say overperformed because i think he's done this in the past so i think it was perfectly acceptable and reasonable to understand that he might be able to do that again. So I'm hopeful that, um, you know, he'll be able to kind of put on a similar performance um, again next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could say, you know, for myself, I want to see a lot, um, a lot more time with some of the guys, you know, I, I felt like for most of the season, our lineup was kind of just a hodgepodge of players that ended up, you know, towards the end of the season being, you know, a, a pretty decent lineup, but you know, Injury-wise, we had Mitch getting hurt. He missed significant time. France got hurt, and, and you know, you said what you did about France. I thought he was the best sitting first baseman in the league, you know, first half of the season. Um, you know, say what you will, Luis, was his name, Arias from uh, the Twins. I, I don't see him as a first baseman. He was more of a super utility player. So you take him out who, you know, he won the, the batting title. and first half of the season was all Ty France. He gets hurt. You know, I, I feel like him kind of getting shafted um, with all-star game voting um, kind of probably hurt his psyche a little bit. Um, you know, Julio got hurt in the home run derby. So like at different times of the year, we, we just really had a hodgepodge of players really, you know, taking the step. We saw guys though, like, like Sam Haggerty really step up in that, in that role. You know, he took, what he got and made the most of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys, right. That I think we're just playing some of their best baseball this year. Sam Haggerty was one. Um, Dylan Moore played some really good baseball this year. Um, you know, you talk about those guys that really filled those holes really well. And you, you time for, I mean, uh, Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty, Carlos Santana, those guys, um, plugged those holes really well, and I think helped this team advance a little bit, right? Advance and kind of keep their heads above water, and ultimately to the point where, um, you know, they were a competitive team throughout the whole entire season, and um, you know, a wild card team to boot. So, um, you know, and you need guys like that, right? I think w- w- in terms of the offense, it never hurts to have enough offense, right? Um, <laughs> I guess that's self-explanatory, but, um, what I'm trying to say is that, um, I think there's, there's always like, oh, well, if you get somebody, if you sign somebody here, if you bring somebody on here, what's that going to mean for X? Or if you bring on a shortstop, what's that going to mean for like a JP? Right. Um, I always think that it's better to have, um, you know, good problems rather than to have bad problems, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at the Dodgers and certainly the Dodgers haven't had, as well as great a success in the postseason everybody wanted to, but they just have a plethora of players, right? They have guys that um, just kind of come out of nowhere and guys that um, can plug and fill in multiple different holes. And I feel like the Mariners um, had a number of guys this season 
And those guys are going to be useful, right? If we, um, you know, we'll have a couple of them back next year, but we'll see if we bring any more on. But those guys are going to be um, very, uh, very useful for any team that's planning on, you know, competing or advancing up far in the postseason. Um, yeah, I mean, look at some of the guys that got us to that postseason. Um, I would, I would argue with you and say that our turning point, um, well, it was kind of a two, two prong turning point. We had that brawl with, uh, with the angels, you know, but, uh, I, I think making the trade for Carlos Santana had a, had a big part. I think he brought kind of the leadership aspect into the clubhouse, not saying we lacked leaders. Cause you know, we've got guys like JP, um, Mitch, uh, those guys coming in and, and being leaders for this team. But, um, you know, Carlos Santana's stats aren't eye-popping. When you do the eye test with Carlos Santana, they are terrible. He had a 202 batting average, only hit 19 home runs, you know. Um, but he had the one thing that a lot of people don't look at, you know, unless you're really into advanced stats or looking past the batting average, 316 batting average, or, uh, excuse me, 316 on base percentage. And, you know, he really was a catalyst for a lot of those games that were coming down to the wire, getting on base or getting the big hit. You know, he, he came through when we needed it. So, like, his 202 batting average really uh, really doesn't paint the whole picture of what he brought to the team. You know, and, and there was a couple of guys like that. Santana, you know, Dylan Moore, he didn't have the best stats, you know, doing the eye test, as I call it. But, um, I mean, they, he, they really came in and played well, you know, in big moments, you know. And uh, I know I sent you the Carlos Santana baseball savant um, page. There was a lot of red on that page, you know. So I, I think that was kind of our turning point of the season. Really helped, you know, getting our 14-game win streak and in, going into the All-Star break and then uh, really picking up towards the end of the season to kind of cement ourselves into – the wild card spot that we got. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk, um, you know, we'll talk ad nauseum about the, about the pitching as well going forward. But, um, you know, that was obviously a part of it. Um, I find this team finding its groove and I think giving the offense a lot of confidence, right. Um, I selfishly, I was at George Kirby's first game. So I like to say that George Kirby, you know, and the team really started to excel since then because, um, yeah, because I was at that game. But anyways, um, no, I, uh, I, I, uh, I think that this offense really started to find its groove. Um, did uh, such a phenomenal job of filling in when um, <clears throat> players were hurt, and kind of filling in the holes and gaps when um, certain players were going through drops or you know at the bottom of the bottom of their peaks. There, the other players were you know picking that up. So um, <clears throat> I felt like it was a uh, overall successful season by the offense. Um, you know, I think we obviously would have loved to see more um, in the ALCS, um, but all signs I think are positive, I think going forward. Um, and I don't think, I think everybody looks at Julio and thinks that Julio is absolutely going to be a star. And I think he can even excel and improve upon his offensive performance that he had this year. So <clears throat> just another, um, just another exciting thing to look forward to. Um and uh, hopefully, hopefully we can have more of it going forward. Yeah, we had a lot of positives, Bill. I mean, we had a lot of positives on the season. Um, we're not really touching on the negatives, though. 
I mean, we, we, we did have some bad this season. It wasn't all uh, sunshine and rainbows, you know, over at T-Mobile sometimes, you know, we, we, uh, we got shellacked in some areas. Uh, I, I know one of them, uh, that's kind of going to be the big elephant in this room this off season is, uh, the continued pro- progression of, uh, Jared Kelnick. I mean, he was a former top prospect in all of baseball and he really, you know, he, he seems to not be fine in his stride at the MLB level. Yeah. Jared Kalenic, um, it's tough because, you know, he's on this team and you're, it's like, uh, you know, you're just really, really rooting for the kid to succeed. Right. And it kind of just, he has moments where it seems like it might be there. Right. He has big home runs. He's, you know, a pretty strong kid. He makes to, he made some good defensive plays this thing, this season and this postseason. Um, I think the, you know, I think we're, we're holding on hope that this is, you know, a potential breakout coming up eventually. Right. Um, you know, I think in, you're talking in baseball terms, right. That third season of a major leagues baseball player's career is, I wouldn't say it's always when the player breaks out, but it's, I would say your, it's your average time in which, uh, you know, a prospect eventually breaks out, um, you know, Julio being a major exception there, but, um, you know, for major, for, for majority of players, right. It takes a little time to mature. So I think that's been the case with Jared. We feel like we've been waiting for him to, you know, I think pick it up a little bit. Um, but we're just not seeing it yet. Right. Um, and, you know, he's closed in on pretty much a, a full season of plate appearances right now. And, you know, the, um, you know, the batting average is 168, right? Um, 168 with a 251 on base and, uh, you know, a 340 slug. Um, that's not going to get you very far in, in, in Major League Baseball, right? Um, there's certainly a lot of time and he has, um, you know, he hits the ball pretty hard, right? And um, it's it's amazing that the one of the best stats we have nowadays is that, um, oh, well, he hits the ball hard. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, but anyways, uh, Jared, I think, you know, hits the ball pretty hard. Um, he plays a defense. He plays a decent slug field. Uh, so Jared, you know, we have a couple of positives, I think, coming in 2023. Um, you know, one of the ones is that we don't quite know exactly how the, the shift limitation is going to affect baseball, but um, I think naturally we might assume that it could help Jared a little bit. He's, uh, um, you know, he's, he pulls the ball about a third of the time. So, um, there's a potential that that helps him as well. Um, yeah, like I said, he's going into that third year. Um, so a lot of positives, um, but, uh, you know, there's still, uh, I think there's still a lot of concern there that he's going to be able to kind of pull him, pull himself out of what we've kind of seen so far. Um, yeah. I don't. I I just don't know about if the the shift band's gonna help him. I don't know. I I don't know what you were seeing on your end when you were at the game at AL. You know, game three ALDS. Um, but one of the the things that the announcers pointed out as I was watching the TV broadcast was kind of how they had uh, Kelnick shaded when he was hitting. Um, you would assume he's a lefty. You're gonna load up that right side. Maybe move your your outfielder, you know, your right fielder over towards the line. Bring the center fielder more into right center, and then have three people on that right side. They weren't doing that. They they actually played him more shaded to the left side, and he had a couple big gaps, right center and the right field line specifically. That that really, like, if he would have hit the ball there, he's going to third. 
he's got the speed. You know, so I I don't know if I can agree with you on that. You know, in in a sense, you would assume that for a lefty, the shift ban would would help out, but I I just don't know with him. I I just don't know where to go with him because, you know, they they weren't shifting on him. Yeah, and I'm and maybe I should specify with like you know he is a pole, he is somewhat of a pole hitter, but he still you know likes to take the ball up um up past second base. I think more often than not, um. I guess I where I where I should go with that is I wonder if there might be truly some mental aspect of what he sees right when they shift, but um, and I know they shade and everything else, and I you know maybe some of the limitations on that right that you were kind of seeing also helps to maybe some of his mental aspect right, um, but at the end of the day right um, got to put the ball and play more, um, you know even if you're even if you're getting shaded if even if you're getting um, you know, fielders in the right position that are going to, you know, attack your ball and throw you out at first pretty quickly. Um, you know, Jared Kalinick struck out 34% of the time this year. Um, you know, that's not a, that's not a winning formula. Mm. And, and some of those strikeouts, yeah, some of those strikeouts look terrible, especially in the postseason. You can tell he was completely getting frustrated. I don't know if it just, you know, he thought something else was coming. You know, oh, I'm, I'm going to sit a fastball in there and throw breaking balls. But there was a couple times, especially in game, I think it was game two, where he struck out a couple times. And I just looked, I'm like, what do you expect? You got to you gotta swing the bat. Like, you really, you, you can't do anything if you're just going to sit the bat on your shoulder. And that's little league mentality right there. You know, that I was told that a lot. I struck out a lot. Bo, you know I struck out a lot in little league. But, I mean... That's little league mentality. You're not going to do anything if you don't swing the bat. Nope, abs- absolutely. Um, and I think Jared. There's. I, I'm again. I'm going to root for the guy. There's so still so much potential there, right? He was top ten baseball prospect, right? And he was he got that ranking primarily on his hitting ability. Um, and you know, you hope that. Um, some of that comes through, right? And, you know, he starts to put good swings on bat on balls that are, um, you know, kind of like you referenced there, right, at a, a good place for him to put the the bat on the ball, right? Um, and there's just hopes that that comes to fruition, right? I think if you're looking at this team and, you know, we'll talk about the offseason and some of the goals, right? Um, you know, if we get a big shortstop or if we get a big outfielder, et cetera, there. Um, but, uh, you know, the hope, I think, is that, somebody that maybe wasn't as um, great this year as we are expecting, right? Whether it's um, Jesse Winker or Jared Kalenic or maybe somebody that was injured, like Kyle Lewis really kind of has a breakout next year. Right. Um, and I think Jared Kalenic is certainly on that list. There's no reason that he couldn't do it. Right. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Jared wasn't the only, the only player really that, that had a bad season, Jesse Winker. You just brought him up. Another guy didn't have the greatest season. Kyle Lewis couldn't, couldn't like stay healthy. You know, Abraham Toro, he was supposed to come in, be that guy that could play all four infield positions. And he didn't do that. I mean, it was almost a blessing in disguise. Toro getting sent down because, you know, that gave Sam Haggerty the chance to step up. You know, there was a positive to come out of that. But I mean, we, we can rag on Kelnick all we want. He wasn't the only negative this season you know we we saw a lot of it winker lewis toro all those guys 
Yeah, I mean, everybody remembers the the Torah for Kendall Graveman trade, right? Torah was supposed to be a pretty big part of that, right? And um, I think before we made the trade to go get um, Eugenia Suarez um, and Jesse Winker, um, I think there was a thought in the mind that Toro was just going to fill in the third base after Kyle Seeger left, right? Um, so, I mean, he was supposed to be, I think, a, you know, a, a, I won't say a key part of this team, but certainly a role player. Um, and, you know, he's still relatively young, so um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what holes he fills next year. But, yeah, Jesse Winker is the is the one that there's just a lot of potential sitting on, right? And it'll be interesting um, if he... You know, I know there's been a lot of talk of, you know, his work ethic, et cetera, and all that. But, um, you know, this is a this is, this Mariner baseball team is a place that I think um, baseball players should want to be right now. And, and I think Jesse Winker wants to be a part of that. Um, so I'm still hopeful that Jesse Winker is going to be able to pull it out. And, you know, on the surface, certainly there were um, he had defensive challenges this year. Um, everything going on with, yeah, like the work ethic and what people said about him um, in terms of just um, maybe not being as plugged in or as focused as the other players, right? And just kind of showing up to the ballpark. Um, but, you know, Jesse Winker still had a relatively, he still walked okay this year. He didn't strike out uh, kind of a, a an astronomical number, right? He still, you know, had a relatively decent plate discipline. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty positive on Jesse Winker. Um, I think there's a good case to be made that he should be maybe a primarily a DH next year uh, rather than spending time in left field, um, which there's nothing wrong with that because there's a DH in both leagues now, right? So um, that's kind of where I would hope that Jesse Winker slots in. I hope he's a part of this team because I think that that would just be uh, – there's a potential for another big bat that the Mariners can just have within their own team that I think kind of breaks through and is somebody that we can bat and, you know, one through five, somewhere in this order, that is going to be another weapon for us when we get into the postseason. Yeah, but I know one of your offseason goals is is to get Winker to DH school. Um, you know, obviously we have some more goals, but I'm I know you're really hoping that uh, maybe we take him out of the outfield a little bit, not play him as much there, get him in that DH role, and, and really solidify um, him being our primary DH going forward. Yep, and some of that will also depend on, uh, you know, the guy we just mentioned, Kalenic, right? If Kalenic's ready just to fill a hole and as our kind of everyday left fielder, um, and you know, even if Jared Kalenic's at like a maybe I don't like uh, maybe like a Michael Saunders level, I'm making something up, right? You know, I would take that, right? Um, so it all depends a little bit on how left field progresses there. But I also think the Mariners shouldn't shy away the off season from, you know, looking at out different outfield options. Um, in addition to, you know, the known um, shortstop second base, um, however you want to put it options that the Mariners are currently linked to. Um, and, you know, I'll kind of start to dive into that, but um, I like to think of them as like the big three that the Mariners are, the Mariners and a lot of other teams are going to be interested in, right? Trey Turner, um, Carlos Correa, and uh, Xander Bogarts. Um, and I don't really know if there's a best. I mean, there, I don't really know if there's a best fit amongst these three, right? Um, and I don't think we should, you know, just say like put all our chips with Trey Turner because, or try to put all our chips with Xander Bogarts because you know we've been let down on some of that before, right? Um, I would say if I look at those three, I think the most realistic option is going to be Xander Bogarts. Um, 
there's been rumors about Deaver signing, you know, some sort of extension with the Red Sox. Um, if that comes through, um, you know, logically, one might assume that maybe they're deciding to move on from Xander Bogarts just because of the amount of money that they're spending. Um, you know, I think Trey Turner, there's rumors of, you know, him wanting to go back to the East Coast somewhere. He's an East Coast guy. Um, I, I, I tend to believe some of that, um, when it comes from like, uh, East coast people, right. East coast players, um, Kyle Seeger was a little bit of an exception there, but, um, I, I do believe that there is probably a desire to do that after you're spending, you know, a couple of years in Los Angeles. Um, and then there's Carlos Correa. Um, it may not be Mariner fans first choice, but, um, uh, you know, if we, if we don't get Trey Turner, if we don't get Xander Bogarts, um, you know, I, I would certainly imagine that there's some sort of outreach or at least trying to work something out with Carlos Correa. So wouldn't be surprised in the slightest, right, that Mariners are going to try to go after those three guys um, pretty hard. And, um, you know, hopefully we land one of them. Um, if we don't, um, we can try to turn to somebody like uh, Dansby Swanson or um, or Tim Anderson. Right. Those are some other options that we may be able to go after. But may not be the the sexiest of options that we're all kind of looking for when we're talking about um quote-unquote impact bats which is a term we've heard um you know ad nauseum over the last couple weeks since the season ended so um those three guys um and then you know i can kind of good yeah another guy i was going to bring up uh you know same vein middle infielder brandon jury um he's a free agent now another another choice uh if you bring up Timmy Jim Anderson, one of my favorite players to watch, um, I've heard Yon Moncada from different sources on Twitter could be available for trade, you know, somewhere there. So, I mean, there's a lot of infield options uh, that could be available as we move forward. Um, but I know you're excited about probably getting someone for the outfield too realistically the the big the big name is going to be Aaron Judge does he go back to the Yankees does he sign somewhere else the Dodgers are rumored to be big on him you know I, I think everyone's going to be on him you know at some point there every team's going to be linked you know at least contender wise um will be linked to him but uh there's a name that I know you've mentioned to me before um that you very much would like to bring in He's from the New York Mets, and uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about him. Yeah, certainly. And the, yeah, his name is Brandon Nimmo. And Brandon Nimmo, um, really, Brandon Nimmo would be um, your quintessential money ball player, right? High on base percentage, um, plays good defense, um, really kind of an under-the-radar player over the last couple of years for the Mets. I think his name, his stock has, I think, absolutely gone up over the last couple of years now. But, um, you know, he's somebody that um, plays solid defense, can play different holes in the outfield. Somebody that um, high, high on base percentage guy um, can bet at the top of this lineup, which I think is pretty vital because I would love to drop Julio probably to that two spot, right? Um, just have Julio have a stronger opportunity for Julio to, I think, drive in more runs, right? When he's batting first, um, I think it's still a good option just for him to get on base, but there's not a lot of people in front of him to drive in runs, right? Um, and if we get somebody like Brandon Nimmo, I think leading off, right, there's just going to be more opportunities and more run potential for the Mariners to be scored there. 
Um, and again, he can play, you know, I think all different outfield positions, um, right and center. If he wants to give Julio a switch a day off or if Julio and him are switching, you know, however Scott wants to play it, but, um, there's a lot of versatility there. There's a lot in the offensive profile that, um, I think would help this Mariner team. Just another bat that I think one through five is going to be so important as we've seen one through five, um, from the Phillies, from the Astros, just how important one through five is to this baseball teams, uh, to the all baseball teams that are especially going through the postseason. Um, and I think Brandon Nimmo could be that guy for, um, you know, if we don't spend, you know, if we miss out maybe on, you know, Turner or Correa or Bogarts, um, maybe we turn our, you know, our point, our star that way to, um, you know, go get an outfielder or spend some more money there. So <clears throat> I really like Brandon Nimmo. Um, it'll be interesting to see where we kind of allocate our money or our resources in the off season. Cause I think he's still not going to be cheap. Um, but he, I think he would be somebody that immediately helps this team and can bat at the top of the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if we do strike out on Nimmo, we've got trader Jerry, Jerry DePoto. I mean, Justin Hollander, he's going to come in. He's the quote-unquote GM, but we know Jerry's going to still kind of be uh, in there with the trades. We could also see Jerry probably make a trade for a player. Um, one guy I know you've you've kind of had on your radar for a while, Bo, uh, Brian Reynolds, you know, certainly probably could be traded for. Um, you know, or, if, you know, if we don't want to trade for anyone, we got Jurgensen Profar. I like Jock Peterson. Um me and my friend Cody, well, Bo and I's friend Cody, we have a nickname for him. Uh, he, uh, it, it is definitely not radio appropriate, podcast appropriate. So uh, you can only imagine what it is. But uh, you know, that's a guy I'd like. So I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, ways we can go with this, um, or that the Mariners can go with this. There's a lot of different ways that they can sign someone sign a couple people they could trade for people it's just all gonna be you know interesting to see what jerry does like you said at the top of the show bo we're gonna be watching that espn ticker nowadays it's watching our phone waiting for that that notification to pop up um but we're gonna be really interested keep refreshing that trade rumors to see what uh depoto and justin have up their sleeve um for this offseason well, folks, that's what we have for you this week on Forks Down. Um, next week, we'll go into more of the pitching side of the offseason, kind of pitching overview. You know, we got guys like Luis Castillo over the season. Uh, we saw the continued progression of guys like Logan Gilbert, George Kirby. So next week, we're going to kind of break down um, the season and, and what our goals should be on the pitching side of things. Um, we've got a big off season that's coming up. It's going to be the most exciting off season in quite a while for this Mariners team. And, uh, we all know that trader Jerry is going to kind of have a uh, few tricks up his sleeve. So you guys can continue the conversation with us. Um, our Twitter handle is at forks pod on Twitter, uh, Facebook page. Just go into that search bar, hit forks down podcast. Um, Hit us with some questions, some criticism, um, you know, critique us if you want. Uh, Bo loves social media and and, and uh, loves getting critiqued or trolled, you know, whatever. So go on, hit us up. Uh, you know, we're always down to kind of talk some Mariners baseball with, with other fans. I, I know I'm in an area that 
doesn't have a lot of uh, Mariners fans around. So it, it's always nice to kind of venture out and talk to like-minded Mariners fans. Um, as we continue to grow, you know, we certainly could open up other avenues of communication, uh, you know, email, Instagram, stuff like that. So uh, as we go forward, we're just getting our feet wet. We got to see what, what we're capable of, you know, and, and we'll kind of progress from there. But Bo, you got anything for our listeners as we uh, wrap up the show? Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is all just meant to be a conversation, right? We said at the top of the show that um, conversation, love talking about the Mariners, love discussing the Mariners. So happy to do that in any form of medium that we want to right? with whoever wants to do it. Right. And we'll be here talking to Mariners, you know, plan is to do it week in and week out. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll just get people to come along with us and, um, you know, really looking forward to, um, you know, I think what we have going forward and any other future shows that we might have. So, uh, again, looking forward to discussing baseball with you, Rick, and whoever wants to come on the adventure. And, um, you know, I'm excited for that, for what we're going, what we got going on here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just want to personally say to, uh, all our potential listeners, thank you. You know, um, we, we are really excited with what we're going to bring to the table. So stick with us. It's only going to get better. As I said, that's all the time we have for today. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound area, the Pacific Northwest, and the great beyond, we want to thank you for taking your time to listen to us and what hopes to be our first of many podcasts headed your way. So for Bochism, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week on the Forkstown Podcast.